listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. I want to, uh, without any announcements, I want to just jump into this because this is this is a, a a powerful thought, and the Lord actually showed this to me in the midst of writing further faster, and uh, brought all these things together for me, and I saw it in a, in a way that I'd never seen before, and of course today we're talking about the breakthrough power of a testimony, the breakthrough power of your testimony. And um, I don't think many people uh, understand how powerful a testimony truly is, what it does, what it carries. And so I want to show it to you. And of course, let me start, by the way, in um, Revelation chapter 12. Let's, Let's go there first. If you have your Bible and if you've shared the broadcast already, jump over to Revelation chapter 12. Oh, look at that. There's a bookmark there already. Um... Listen to this. The Bible says, and they have conquered him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. You see that? For they love not their lives even unto death. Now, of course, this is in, this is in uh, the book of Revelation apocalyptic writing. And um, of, of course, it's talking about the end of time, but understand what it says there. They overcame him, Antichrist, the spirit of Antichrist, by the blood of the lamb, number one, and by the word of their testimony, number two. So there is an overcoming power that is on your testimony. You see that there is an overcoming power that is on your testimony. I want you to put in the comments, my testimony carries overcoming power because one of the things the devil wants you to do is to stay quiet about the goodness of God. There's my friend, Pastor Pete Padilla. Love you, my friend. One of the things the devil definitely wants you to do is to stay quiet about the goodness of God. I want you to stay quiet about the blessings of God and what God's done in your life. He doesn't want you repeating it, doesn't want you talking about it, doesn't want you engaging in it. Just stay quiet. If the Lord's done anything, just stay quiet about it. And, and that the reason for that is, is because your testimony carries overcoming power. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony because there is power in your testimony. Because remember this, when you're testifying, when you're testifying, you are giving God praise for what he has done. That's what a testimony is. You're giving the glory to God and praising him for what he has accomplished or what he has done. And there's power in that praise. Remember that. God inhabits the praises of his people. Did you know this? Think about this. Praise provokes God to move again. 
Think about that. Praise provokes God to move again. There's something, that's something you should write down as well and never, ever forget it. Praise provokes God to move again. Britt said, I hold my testimony, baby, in my arms every day. Glory to God. That's why I said this, this uh, summer Miracle Word magazine that's getting ready to come out, we have Jenna's testimony in the magazine, two pages of testimony, how the doctors told her she could never have children. She'd had, she'd had miscarriages. She'd had stillbirths, uh, you know, could not. Doctor told her, you cannot have babies. You can't. Your body will not carry babies. And then she got a word from the Lord, stood on that word, praised over that word, worshiped over that word. And now she's got two miracle babies running around that house. Why? Because when you praise God, it provokes him to move and God inhabits the praises of his people. He inhabits the praises of his people. So when you praise, it provokes God to move again. Amen, AJ. I mean, I want you to think about this. The testimony of God. I'm getting a message here from my friend, Pastor Pete Padilla, that's on the broadcast. Listen to this. And this is from my friend, Pastor Pete Padilla, who ministers up in uh, here in Florida, but he used to be a police officer as well. Listen to this. This happened 10 minutes ago, Mayport. When I was a police officer in 2010, I arrested a young black male for dealing drugs. Needless to say, God gave him some, gave me some heavy words for him, and I wound up ministering to him before he went to jail that night. Fast forward 10 years later, I'm approached by the same now older black male, and he remembered me and thanked me and said I would always be his boy. Blessed him again tonight. Look at that. Planting the seed of the word. I love that. As Pete was working as an officer. I mean, look at that. Ministering to people as he's, you know, arrested. Now you you, you want to talk about having a captive audience. <laughs> That's a captive audience. Being able to, you know, he has to arrest them, breaking the law. But now on the way, ministering to them. I'm planting the seed of the word. Lives being changed. Praise provokes God to move again. Every time you have something take place and we're commanded. Now look at this. Psalm 150. The second verse of Psalm 150. And praise God for that, Pete. That's powerful. Praise God for his mighty deeds. Praise him for his excellent greatness. You see that? We are commanded commanded to praise God for his mighty deeds. Those are the things he's already done. We're to praise him for his excellent greatness. You see that? And so it says here that we're commanded to do that. Remember this, and because I've heard people say this, well, brother, I don't praise God for what he does. I praise him for who he is. You know, as if they're super deep because they came up with a revelation that we don't focus on the things, we focus on the person doing the things. Well, that sounds nice and it sounds religious, 
but the Bible commands us to praise him for his actions. You see that? Praise him for his mighty acts of greatness. Praise him for his mighty acts of greatness. You see it. His mighty deeds, his excellent greatness. So when you're praising him for what he has done, remember this, it provokes him to do something new. And Brandon's reminding me of something I've preached. He is what he does. You can't separate the two. God is what he does. That's why he got the names that he got. Jehovah Jireh, because he is the provider. Jehovah Rapha, because he is the healer. Jehovah Sitkanu, because he is the righteousness. Jehovah Shalom, because he is the peace. So you can't separate what he does from who he is. It's impossible. It's impossible. And so we're commanded to praise him for what he does. So in order to be able to praise him for what he does or has done, you have to bring to remembrance the things that he has done. That's what a testimony is. And that's what testifying is. It's when you praise him. You know what? One of the things that bothers me, one of the things that bothers me is when people get up to quote unquote testify If they take 20 minutes to give their testimony, they'll spend 19 of those minutes talking about all of the things the devil did to them, talking about all the problems, describing in detail every wicked thing that happened. And they'll take 60 seconds to say, but you know, amen, God turned it all around and today I'm fine. It's like spend the majority of your time giving God the praise for what he did. And the thing that he brought to pass, maximize what God's done, minimize what the devil did. It's about God. It's about his mighty acts of greatness. Hallelujah. It's about his mighty acts of greatness. Hey, David, good to see you. I wanted to show you something in, um, in further faster, something the Lord had me write about. And this actually is one of the, even though it's at the end of the book, it's one of the first chapters I wrote of this book. It's called Giants for Dinner. And um, <clears throat> the Lord showed me something when I was studying this that stirred me up. And there's a section inside this chapter called A Reminder of Your Enemies for the Remainder of Your Enemies. A Reminder of Your Enemies for the Remainder of Your Enemies. Listen to this. Because I thought this was so, so important for us to get. Um, as David was fleeing from King Saul, the Bible says that he goes up into the temple and we're in first Samuel 21. He goes up into the temple and I love this. He escaped to the town of Nob to see a priest named Ahimelech. And when he arrived at the temple, he asked the priest, do you have a spear or a sword? The King's business was so urgent. I didn't even have time to grab a weapon. And listen to this, 1 Samuel 21 and verse 9, listen to how the priest responded to David. I only have the sword of Goliath, the Philistine, whom you killed in the Valley of Elah, the priest replied, take that if you want it, for there's nothing else here. And David said, there's nothing like it, give it to me. Well, remember this. He said there's nothing like it, but it wasn't just because the sword was unique. 
But remember this, the story is unique to David. Remember, at all the places, you got to see how powerful this is, of all the places David could have gone while he was fleeing from Saul, God brings him into the one place that is housing his testimony. That sword is a representation of David's testimony. When he killed Goliath on the battlefield all those years ago. And now he's standing. By the way, that was seven years later. Seven years later. And now he's standing in that temple. Could have gone anywhere. But God brings him because now he feels like he's in a place of defeat. Remember, it was probably seven and a half years before that Samuel anointed him to be the king of Israel, anoints him with oil, all of that. Remember this. He has to spend seven plus years knowing I'm supposed to be the king of Israel and now the actual king of Israel is trying to kill me because the anointing of God's on my life. And I'm sure He was in a place where the enemy had him thinking, you're done for, you'll never be the king. And and his purpose that's supposed to be staring him in the face, now he's doubting, now he's wondering if he'll even be alive by the end. And so God brings him back to the spot, hallelujah, and brings him into the temple and puts in his hand, hallelujah, puts in his hand the sword that is a representation of what God did through him in his past. Hallelujah. Now, can I read what I wrote to you? Listen to this. God purposely brought David to the one place that held a reminder of his precious victories, victories that seemed impossible. It was God effectively saying, if I could do that back then, I can do this now. Now, think about how David must have felt as he held Goliath's sword in his hand once again. Imagine the surge of strength that flooded his body as the events of that battle replayed in his mind. Now watch, David wasn't allowed to touch King Saul, so the sword served no purpose in battle. It was merely a token that would transport him back to the right frame of mind for what was to come. The reminder of his enemy or his victory against Goliath wasn't God's attempt to make David live in the past. On the contrary, God wasn't done working with using David. It was a flash briefing, hallelujah, of the strength that was still available to David. The power still linked to his purpose. It's a lesson for us. It's very important how you view your testimonies. Hallelujah. How? Remember that. David couldn't use that sword to kill Saul. God said, you're not allowed to touch Saul. God actually rebuked him for just cutting a piece of Saul's garment off of Saul's garment. Didn't even harm him. Just touched his garment and he was rebuked for it. He was not to touch God's anointed one. And so God didn't put that sword in his hand so he could go fight Saul with it. No, he just put it in his hand to make him remember I anointed you to kill a giant. You think that anything else that I'm going to lead you to do is going to be hard for me? I'm your God. You're my anointed child. (laughs) Hallelujah. And God, look how God will do it. When you've got another battle to fight in front of your face, 
God will put your testimony back in your hand to fight a battle that's coming, that hasn't even showed up yet, and you're equipped. You're equipped with an old victory, an old testimony, so that you can be filled with faith again for what God's about to do. It's a remembrance. God did this, and if he did, he can do that. If he can do this, he can do that. That's why we don't forget all of the, you know, Paul said, forgetting those things which are, which are behind. He didn't mean the good things God has done. Didn't mean that at all. He meant the things of your past, forgetting those things which are behind. Let me show you another thing. <clears throat> I love this. God did this. It's very important how. See, God wants you to remember the past and then forget it. Listen to this. Same chapter, Giants for Dinner. Speaking through the prophet Isaiah, God began to encourage his people by telling them that although they had seen him do incredible things, the best was yet to come. After spending time itemizing, you go read Isaiah 43 for yourself, God itemizes all the things he's done for them. Don't you remember when I did this? 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 Don't you remember when I brought you out of here? He lists all the things that he's done. He spent time itemizing the things he'd done for them, but then God said, Isaiah 43, 18, but forget all that. <laughs> it is nothing compared to what I'm going to do. Thank you, Jesus. He said, forget all that. What? All the things that I've done. I'm reminding you of them, not so you can live in the past, so you can be equipped for your future. I want you to put this in the comments. God reminds me of my past to equip me for my future. Hallelujah. God reminds me of my past to equip me for my future. Put that in the comments and write it down. Put it in your notes today. When I say God reminds you of the past, I don't, rem rem I don't mean that he reminds you of your sins. Of course he doesn't do that. He doesn't remind you of the wickedness you came from. No, he reminds you of the good things that he's done for you in the past. He reminds you of the miracles of the past. He reminds you of the blessings of the past. God reminds me of my past to equip me for my future. He's showing you, I worked in your life 10 years ago. I worked in your life seven years ago. I worked in your life five years ago. I worked in your life two months ago. And if I did that all back then, remember this, and he said it to them, it is nothing compared to what I'm about to do. Thank you, Jesus. Look at that. Hallelujah. Here, keep writing it. He reminds me of my past to equip me for my future. It's what he was doing with David. It's what he was doing with the children of Israel. God then revealed that he had already begun to do something new. And it was their responsibility to catch the vision of what it was. Now look, listen to this. Without a doubt. God's people could have stayed connected with the miracles of the past, but they would have ensured that those were the only miracles that they would have ever received. But by obeying God's command to forget the things of the past and focus on the future, they were headed for even greater 
days. And yes, AJ, that's from further, faster. That's chapter, what, 12 or 13? Giants for dinner. Understand something. The past, the power of your past, God uses it to equip your future so that you have something to carry into. I always tell people this, and I I actually heard Bishop David Oyedepo say the same thing. He said it in this way. Maybe the reason God hasn't brought the next blessing to some of his children is because they haven't praised him for the last blessing yet. Maybe the reason your next blessing hasn't come is because you haven't praised him for the last blessing yet. And see, God looks at thankfulness. He looks at praise. He looks at worship. He wants to see a grateful, thankful, praiseful heart. And one of the things we have to recognize is the blessings, the miracles, the the breakthroughs of the past, watch, they are fuel for the breakthroughs of the future. God sets it up like a never-ending cycle. He works in your life. You receive your breakthrough. You take the, the experience of that breakthrough. You praise him. You worship him. You praise him. Through you pr- praising him for that thing, it provokes him again. And then he acts again in your future. And then the cycle repeats. You stay praising him for that one and worshiping him for that one. It provokes him again. Boom, another thing happens and you praise him for that one, worship him for that one and it provokes his presence again and and God keeps inhabiting the praises of his people over and over and over and the more we keep praising him, the more we keep worshiping him for what he has done, the more new things begin to happen. Did you know you can catch a miracle recognizing who he is even if, because I know I'm, I'm sure there's people sitting here thinking, well, I don't have powerful things in my past to praise him for. I'm maybe your first generation uh, Christian or you, you're newly saved and you feel like, well, I, I don't have all those powerful testimonies yet. I don't have all those powerful things yet. What you can do is you can praise him for those characteristics of his nature. I'm going to show you that in the Bible. And even if you've not gotten your miracle yet, you can praise him because he is that person. Oh man, I'm going to show you this because he is that person. And as you're praising him. So for example, if you've never been healed by God, that doesn't mean you can't praise him because he is a healer because his word says he is a healer. So even if you haven't ever received a miracle of healing, but you need one, why don't you begin to praise him daily because that's part of his nature. He is a healer. I'm praising him because he's my healer. Why do I know that? Because the word of God tells me that. He is my healer. By his stripes, we were healed 2,000 years ago. So, even if for you personally, it's never happened before, you still, see the word is always the foundation fuel, the foundation fuel. Even if you've got no personal testimonies yet, you've got foundation fuel to kickstart your testimony life. 
You can praise God for the testimonies of what he's done for other people's lives, people in the word. You can even take stories from the word of God and you can praise God for what he did in those people's lives. Hallelujah. You can praise him for what he did in those. Let me show you this. Mark chapter 10. This is the healing of blind Bartimaeus. But I want to draw your attention to something that maybe you've never seen before. I hope you have. I think I've taught it before. But he he does something here. See, Bartimaeus does something here that provokes the presence of Jesus. And it's very interesting because we're not in the we're not in the context of a meeting. Jesus isn't holding a service. He's not in the synagogue. He's not preaching. He's not teaching. He's not healing. He's leaving. <laughs> Think about that. Jesus isn't preaching, teaching, and healing. Jesus is leaving. He's leaving the city of Jericho, headed somewhere else. And notice this. Um, Mark 10, verse 46, and they came to Jericho, and as Jesus was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd. Now, if there's a great crowd there, I'm sure there's a few people in the crowd, which is why they're following him, that need miracles. Jesus didn't stop to heal them. Look at this. That's because Jesus is never moved by need He's always moved by faith. That would be something you should write down. Jesus is never moved by need. He's always moved by faith. Need doesn't provoke your covenant power. Faith does. If Jesus was moved by need, there would be no needs. Remember that. If Jesus was moved by need, there would be no needs. Every need would be met because he has the capacity to meet every need of every person on the earth. But Jesus is not moved by need. Jesus is moved by faith. And so notice this, as he's leaving, and when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, very important, The people, this means the people were saying, it's Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus of Nazareth is coming by. Jesus of Nazareth was his natural name. Oh, that's Jesus, son of Joseph and Mary. That's Jesus of Nazareth. That's his natural name. But see, Bartimaeus didn't need a natural man. He needed a supernatural man. So notice this that when he heard it was Jesus of Nazareth walking by, he didn't cry out and say, Jesus of Nazareth. Bartimaeus didn't say that. Look what he did say. Jesus, son of David. You see the switch? You see the change? He didn't call out for a carpenter. He called out for the son of God. Hallelujah. It's different, man. It's different. Jesus, son of David. Jesus, son of David. That's different than Jesus of Nazareth. They were calling for a natural man. He was calling for a supernatural man. You know why? 
There's no carpenter. There's no carpenter that can make new eyes for a blind man. I don't care how great of a carpenter you are. I don't care how great. You could sand and sculpt little balls of wood and you could draw on them little irises and little pupils and you could put them into the empty socket of an eye and it would not matter because no, no matter how great of a carpenter you are, no matter how great of a carpenter you are, you can't make blind eyes see again. And that's what Bartimaeus understood. I don't need the Jesus they're talking about. I need the one who he claims to be, the man he claims to be. You know, when people, when Jesus would call himself son of David, when he would call himself the son, people would get ticked off. How dare you call yourself the son of God? We know where you come from. We know you're the son of Joseph and Mary. We know you live in Nazareth. We know who you are. How dare you call yourself the son of God? And people would get angry about it. People would get bent out of shape. Furthermore, people would be ready to kill him. They tried to stone him with stones. They tried to push him off of a cliff. And all of a sudden, whoo, hallelujah, all of a sudden, the power of God would move and Jesus would just pass through the crowd or just move out of the way and no stones ever hit him and nobody ever pushed him off a cliff to his death because he was the son of God. He had the power, the Bible says, to lay down his life and take it back up again, which means you can't take his life. Nobody took Jesus' life. The Romans didn't take it. The Jews didn't take it. Nobody could take it. He laid it down and then he took it back up again. Hallelujah. And so Jesus of Nazareth was not who Bartimaeus needed. He needed Jesus, son of David. Thank you, Lord. Jesus, son of David. Look at this. And the Bible says, he cried out, Jesus, son of David, when he did that. Now, he still needed a miracle. Watch this. Bartimaeus still needed a miracle. But what did he do? He started praising Christ. For by saying, Jesus, son of David, do you know what he was actually saying? He was saying this. I believe you are who you say you are. You see that? By calling him by his messianic covenant name, Jesus, son of David. See, that was a name reserved for the Messiah. The Messiah would be the son of David. Jesus said, I am the Messiah. I am the son of God. I am anointed one. And he said, I believe that. I'm calling for you, son of David. I need the son of David. I need the Messiah. I need the miracle man. And Jesus stopped. Hallelujah. Notice he didn't stop for anybody else. He stopped for the man who was shouting out by faith. He stopped and said, call him. And they called the blind man saying, take heart, get up. He is calling you. Look what he did. And throwing off his cloak, which was a cloak that signified that he was a beggar, signified that he was blind and a beggar. That was him by faith saying, I won't need this anymore. Not after he touches me. He sprang up 
and came to Jesus. And Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately, hallelujah, he recovered his sight and went on his way. Understand this. This is the quickest picture we have in the New Testament of that scripture being fulfilled from Psalm 22. God inhabits the praises of Israel. This is the quickest picture because as Bartimaeus began to praise him, Jesus stopped. Notice he couldn't go any further. He had to turn around. He had to say, bring him to me. Why? Because Jesus could not have resisted this man's praise and this man's faith. He said, bring him to me. And immediately they brought the man to him. What, what's that a picture of? Now here's God in the flesh standing right next to the man who has faith and was praising him. Jesus said, I can't leave him behind. I can't leave him and not touch him. I have to inhabit his praises. Woo, hallelujah. I have to inhabit his praises. I've got to because God inhabits the praises of Israel. I live in, dwell in. It provokes the power of God. You see that? It provokes the power of God. And so the miracle was provoked by the man's praise, his praise of who Jesus was. <laughs> oh man, can you catch this one? Can you catch this one? The man's miracle was provoked by what the man said. Because here's the thing. Jesus didn't stop for anybody else. Jesus didn't move for anybody else. He just kept on leaving the city. A great crowd was around. A great crowd was following him. A great crowd probably needed miracles, but he didn't stop. He just kept on moving. And watch this. If Bartimaeus had not spoken and called out, catch it, there would have been no miracle that day. Not for him. He could have just sat there as blind as he was before. Blind, blind, blind. I don't talk. I don't speak. I don't praise. Blind, blind, blind. He would have stayed blind. He would have remained without a miracle. What changed everything? Do you realize this? <clears throat> Bartimaeus, by, by the spirit of faith, reached up into heaven and wrote down his name on God's calendar. Bartimaeus did by his faith. He reached up into heaven, wrote down his name on God's calendar and said, today is going to be my day. And then spoke. See, his faith, his crying out, his praise of Christ was his ticket to the miraculous. The devil wants you to be silent. The devil wants you 
to be silent. He doesn't want you praising. He doesn't want you shouting. He does not want you giving a testimony. He does not want you to be speaking out about the goodness of God. He does not want you to begin to verbalize what God has done and what he will do. He wants you to stay quiet. He wants you to. There is an actual sound of the kingdom. That's why, you know, we've been, we've named this, we've been calling this the victory tribe. We've been calling this the victory tribe. Why are we calling this the victory tribe? Because we all come from the tribe of Judah. Why do we all come from the tribe of Judah? Because Jesus Christ, who is our brother, our elder brother, the Bible says, he comes, he is as we just said, the son of David, David was from the tribe of Judah and the book of Revelation calls Jesus the lion of the tribe of Judah. Jesus came from the line of Judah. In fact, I don't want to get too deep on this because it's not what I'm preaching about. But if you study the book of Hebrews, it blows the minds of people to understand, especially Jewish people, that the tribe that priests were to come from was the tribe of Levi. I don't know if you've studied this or if you understand out of the 12 tribes of Israel, it was the tribe of Levi that produced priests. They were the ones that stood in the temple and were the ones that uh, represented the whole nation of Israel before God, the tribe of Levi. All priests came from the Levitical tribe, but Jesus was not from that tribe. He was from the tribe of Judah, but the Bible teaches us in the book of Hebrews that the priesthood has changed. Hallelujah. The priesthood has changed so that now we have an eternal high priest that makes intercession for us that is from the tribe of Judah. Jesus is our high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek, the Bible says. And Jesus wasn't from the Levitical tribe. He was from the tribe of Judah. And so the priesthood in the New Testament changed it changed. And so now every one of us that's come into the family of God, all of us are from the tribe of Judah because we came through Christ. And watch this. The Bible says we are all kings and priests unto God. Hallelujah. We are all kings and priests unto God. So every one of us are priests of the tribe of Judah. Now think about this because it's so powerful. In the Old Testament, only the priests were allowed to go behind the curtain into the holy of holies, the most holy place. Only the priests were allowed to go behind the veil and be in the direct presence of God, only the priests. But when our high priest died, hallelujah, the Bible says that the spirit of God tore that veil into two pieces from the top 
down to the bottom, separated it from heaven to earth, releasing that spirit out of a room and into the whole world. And he said, no longer will it just be the Levitical priests that can walk into the presence, but now through Jesus, every one of my children will be made kings and priests unto God, meaning every child of God is now a priest. He didn't change the requirement to be in the presence. You still have to be a priest to be in the presence of God, except now everybody's a priest. We are all kings and priests unto God, and we all, listen to this, we all don't have to go into a room behind a curtain to experience that presence. Every believer has become a walking room. Thank you, Jesus. Catch this today before I pray for you. Every believer has become a walking room. What do I mean by that? Paul had to remind the Corinthian church, do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost? Hallelujah. I want you to write it this way in the comments so that you always know it, that you always understand it. I am the most holy place. Hallelujah. I am the most holy place. Thank you, Jesus. Put it in the comments. I am the most holy place. See, in the Old Testament, the most holy place was the room or that area of the temple where the Spirit of God was dwelling, separated by a curtain that only priests could enter. But now, God said, I'll take my spirit out of that room and put it into your body. Oh, thank you, Jesus. I hope you catch this today. It's now out of the room and into your physical body. And now, Paul had to remind them, do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost? The same spirit that raised Christ up from the dead dwells in you and quickens your mortal body. I am, you are the most holy place. The same room that used to have the spirit of God dwelling in it is now mobilized. Now that room is walking around the earth. There are millions and millions and millions of these rooms walking around the earth. Jesus went to Solomon's colonnade and there were people laying around the pool of Bethesda and the angel of the Lord would trouble the water and the first person who went into the troubled water would receive their miracle. I don't know if you've read this story or not. And there was a man there who said to Jesus, and not even knowing who Jesus was, 
I've got no man to help me. And every time I'm lame. And every time the angel troubles the water, somebody else is quicker than me and jumps into the water before me and gets their healing. And then I don't have a chance to get it because I'm lame. What the man didn't realize was the same power that troubled the water was walking around in the person of Jesus. And the power that troubled the water is the same power that was standing right in front of his face. And Jesus made that man whole because the same power that was troubling the water was already bubbling up on the inside of Jesus. That is the power of being a walking, talking, holy place. Because as a walking, talking, holy place, wherever you go, you have dominion. Wherever you go, you carry the anointing. Wherever you go, the power of God is already with you. Because the same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus' dead body back to life is the same Holy Spirit that's living on the inside of your physical body and where you go, he goes. Where you are, he is. You don't have to look to heaven and pray, oh God, please send help, please send help. The help is on the inside of your physical body. Thank you, Jesus. We are the most holy place. (laughs) We are the most holy place. He lives in us, dwells in us. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. We're the walking, talking, holy place of God. Thank you, Lord. That, that's why that wherever you go, the Bible says you can lay your hands on the sick and they must recover. That as you walk, the power of God walks with you, that you can tread on serpents and scorpions and no evil thing can destroy you or take you out. Poison can't kill you. I mean, you, you think about all the things the Bible says and people think, man, that, that really seems odd. That really seems supernatural. It does until you understand the reason why you're the walking, talking, holy place of God. You are the very anointing of the Lord walking around on the earth. He wanted it that way. He called you to be that person. He anointed you to be that person. You're a walking, talking, holy place. And when you begin to praise God, when you begin to worship God, there is an anointing that breaks loose because God's presence is provoked by praise. Think about all, I mean, I could take you through the whole Bible and talk about this. I wrote a whole book on it uh, called Unhang Your Harp, how praise opens the door to every blessing God has set aside for you. Did you know praise gives you access to financial blessing, protection, healing, deliverance, everything. I take you through the Bible and show you that praise is connected to every aspect of God's blessings, every single one. And I want you to think about this. Paul and Silas began to praise God in the inner dungeon at midnight, and it shook the whole prison, and everybody's doors were loosed, everybody's chains fell off, and they were ready to run out. 
The, the one, the jailer who was trying to keep control was ready to kill himself because he'd failed at his job and all the prisoners would escape. And Paul cried out and said, don't harm yourself. We're all still here. <laughs> and then he ministers to him. But notice a jail couldn't hold them. An inner dungeon couldn't hold them when they began to praise the Lord. Because that power of praise Praising him for what, he, it's the testimony, praising him for what he has done, praising him for who he is, praising him for his mighty acts of greatness and his excellent deeds. When we're doing that, it provokes mighty presence and power of God and things have to break loose. I'm convinced, I'm convinced that the average Christian in the body of Christ does not praise God enough, does not Praise God enough. I'd be very, I would be very surprised if people were spending time praising him at home. And even churches now, you've got worship teams that will uh, maybe do one praise song and then they spend the rest of their time in, in slow, draggy worship with no anointing. And I've said this for years. You're not even qualified to worship a God that you've not pr- sufficiently praised. Most people aren't even qualified to worship God because they've not sufficiently praised him. Come into his gates with thanksgiving. Come into his courts with praise. God has a system. You can't just run into the most holy place. That's not how it worked. You came into his gates with thanksgiving, then his courts with praise. You got to do it in God's way. People haven't sufficiently thanked and praised God and they're not ready to worship him. We've got to do first things first and keep a thankful, praiseful heart. When we thank him, when we praise him, a thankful, praiseful heart. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And when we do that, it provokes God's presence. It provokes God's power. Hallelujah. Thanksgiving and then praise And then you begin to pray. I've told people this because people will ask me, not because I need to talk about my own personal prayer life, but we have so many people that ask. And they say, well, how does your prayer life look then? And I've always told people this. I make it a sandwich. It's Thanksgiving at the outset. Then I move into praising God for what he has done, what he will do. And then I make my request known unto God in the middle. And when I'm done with that, I then praise him again. And then I thank him again. It's a thanksgiving and praise sandwich. They are the bun on the outside of the meat, which is your requests unto God. I'm sorry that I always make everything about food, but that's just who I am. (laughs) So catch that. Catch that. The requests you're making unto God should be in the middle, but first should be thanksgiving and praise, and you should end in praise and thanksgiving. First, I thank him and praise him him for what he has done. Then I make my request. Then by faith, I thank him and praise him for what he will do, what's going to happen in the future. The things I just prayed, they're coming to pass. The things that I just said, they will come to pass. And I praise you before I see them. I thank you before I see them. I know you're already working behind the scenes. God is doing what he said he would do. And I give him praise and thanks for that. And as you uh, allow yourself to do what the word says, let me tell you, things will break loose for you. Things will break loose in your family. Things will break loose in your ministry. Things will break loose on your job. Things will break loose in your mind with your relationships, with your finances. Things will break loose. 
And this, the month of June, is our month of accelerated testimonies. We are going to hold them in our hands in the month of June. We are going to hold them in our hands in the month of June. Accelerated testimonies. I want somebody to put that in the comments. I will hold my testimony. Thank you, Lord. I will hold my testimony. I will hold my testimony. I will hold my testimony. By the time June 30th comes to an end, we will be holding that testimony in our hand in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And we will see the goodness of God at work. We will see the miracles of God and we'll be testifying to everybody. And then as we testify of his goodness over and again, over and again, over and again, guess what? It's just going to provoke him to move again in July and then provoke him to move again in August and provoke him to move again in September. We'll continue to give God all the praise and it won't stop. It won't stop because you start the snowball rolling down the mountain. And the more you roll the snowball through the snow, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And and it just continues to increase. And that's God's plan for your life. Never ending increase. Hallelujah. Never ending increase is your story in Jesus' wonderful name. That's exactly what it's going to be. That's exactly what it's going to be. So I want to pray for you because I know there's people that need miracles. I know people are watching me that need breakthrough in their life. And yes, God will do it. Yes, God will do it. I'm going to pray that not only will God open the doors to you, not only will he come and show himself strong and mighty to you, but also that he would put a fire in your belly to praise him and to worship him and to thank him. And I'm telling you, as you pull those, this is your challenge for today and for this week. Go back. If you've got to get out an old notebook, whatever you've got to do where you've got it logged, if you haven't, sit down at the table and, and take a piece of paper and a pen and just write out the testimonies of your life. Just write out the things that God, that you can list them, itemize them. All of the things that you know God did for you. It had to have been God. Can I tell you? Every time I give my testimonies, and especially the ones that are dear to my heart, the miracles that took place in both of my daughters when they were hospitalized and we stood in faith and fasted and prayed, when I give those testimonies, I still feel the power of God just as strong today as I did the day he gave us the miracles. I still feel his power. I still feel his anointing just as strong as I did back then. Because the power, remember this, the power of your testimony never diminishes. (laughs) It's just as powerful 50 years later as it is the day it happened. The power of your testimony never diminishes. Never, never. It carries just as much power today as it always has. There's just as much anointing in it today as always. So I want to pray because people are watching. They need miracles. They need anointing to touch their lives. And let's pray. And then as we pray, I want you to begin to praise God. I want you to begin to give him thanks. 
And I want you to begin to magnify him for not only what he has done, but for what he's about to do in you before June comes to an end. Father, in Jesus' name, I'm praying now for every person that's watching me live or on the replay, every person that's listening to me in the podcast. I pray in the mighty name of Jesus now that you would open up the heavens and touch every one of your precious people. Lord, there's those that need healing miracles. Would you touch them today and make them whole? I pray in Jesus' name that you would touch their physical bodies. Lord, drive out every sickness, drive out every disease, the results of accidents, the results of calamity. I pray in Jesus' name, heal them by your power. Heal them by your glory today and take all the uh, praise and the glory for what you're doing. Father, for those that are battling in their families and in their relationships with their children or with their wives or husbands, I pray that you'd bring and restore peace in those homes and love in those homes and patience in those homes, joy in those homes. Restore marriages today. I pray in Jesus' name that you would restore your people, touch your people. Lord, those that are battling in their mind, bring a peace that passes all understanding. Every spirit of fear, every spirit of heaviness that the Bible speaks about that's tried to come against the people of God. Lord, I'm asking you today to blow your breath from heaven and blow every wicked thing out of their homes and away from their homes. You said that you are the God that heals us. And so we thank you for that today. Bless your people. Let financial increase come upon the faithful, those that are standing in obedience to the word of God, the tithers, the givers. We thank you, Lord, that we're in a covenant of blessing with you and we will always be blessed in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, I thank you today that turnaround is happening. This is our month of accelerated harvests, accelerated uh, testimonies, that we will hold them in our hand. And as you said last year, before this sixth month comes to an end, that our prayers will be answered in Jesus' name. And that by the second half of the year, we'll have to come up with all new goals because you will have answered our prayers in the first half of one year. This is our year of violent increase and expedited favor. We thank you. We stand on it. We believe it in Jesus' wonderful name. And we give you all the glory and praise. And if you believe it today, Throw that fire in the comments section, Victory Tribe. Let me know that you're standing with me and believe in God for miracles, for signs, and for wonders in Jesus' name. That's right. The power of my testimony never diminishes. It never diminishes. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Violent increase. Expedited favor. That's going to be our story. It's going to be your story continues to be your story. I love you, Ben Fole. Look at that. People are standing in faith. They're believing. Amen, Denise. They're believing. They're believing. I'm believing. Things are turning around. Part of what I talked about was out of this book today. If you've not gotten this brand new book, Further Faster, I want to encourage you to grab a copy of this brand new book. It will change you. I believe that it's the most important revelation the Lord has ever allowed me to release by his spirit. And it's available. You can get it on Amazon. You can get it on our website. You can get the ebook version on Apple Books or Kindle. It's available right now. For those of you that partnered with us and have partnered with us at $1,000 or more, I have the hard copies that are here. Hardback with a dust jacket, limited edition. We're sending those out to you. 
We've already mailed some. We're going to mail more. Um, I'm signing them today, and we're getting them out the door to you as our partners, and we say we love you. It will open your eyes to the power of impartation. It will open your eyes to how God has designed a system to accelerate your purpose through the force of impartation. That's what the book is about. And far too few people are teaching and talking about impartation, even though it's God's system of promotion. Needs to be taught. It needs to be understood because God wants you to increase steadily and carry out your purpose. I want to encourage those of you that are watching and listening to partner with us, to stand with me and stand with Carolyn as we're believing for a generation to be shaken before Jesus comes. I can't, ex- I can't explain to you the urgency I feel in my spirit. You just have to feel it in yours. And I've prayed that God would give you the same urgency that he's given to us. And I know that he has because many people have already joined with us to partner. If you've not, I want to encourage you to also join us. Go to miracleword.com and sign up today to partner with this ministry and be a part of what Miracle Word is doing around the world. And I'm telling you, it's an eternal investment that produces eternal reward. Maybe you say, well, uh, I can't I can't do the $85 a month or more yet. Start where you can. Start where the Holy Spirit has you today. Many people, many people have started where they could start and then God's increased them as they've partnered. I've given stories on the broadcast, people that started at $10 and $20 a month and some that started at $50 and now they're some of the largest givers. Why? Because God gives seed to the sower. When he sees you're a sower, he puts seed in your hand. And so stand with us. And we love every one of you. I don't love you because you give. I love you because I love you. Whether you give or not, I love you. And Carolyn, we pray for you. But I want to encourage you because giving is for your benefit. As you sow, harvests are already on the way back to you because of your obedience. And so I want you to see this. There's many ways you can do it. Hashtag donate on Facebook or Twitter. You can use Cash App, Venmo, PayPal. Information's all on the screen. If you're listening to this on the podcast, um, you can always swipe up and in the description of the podcast, there are links you can click to sow a seed right now today. Let me encourage you to do so. And then there's people that the Lord is really speaking to them to do something large. People that God's speaking to you today to sow $1,000. $2,500, $5,000, $10,000, $25,000, if the Lord's speaking to you, step out by faith and do what he's asking you to do. And as you do, the heavens open up and God blesses you. I thank God for you. You know what else I'm happy about? I'm very happy that I don't have to sit on this program like, and I know there's crooked people out there, but I thank God that I don't have to come up with some kind of a gimmick to encourage people to give. And I thank God that our ministry is debt-free and that we owe no man anything except the gospel, and we'll keep it that way. And I thank God that there's no pressure. You know, I'm so happy. 
I'm so happy that I don't have to sit here on the broadcast and go, I need people to call in right now. I need a hundred people right now to sow a $50 seed. I need a thousand people right now to sow that $20 seed. If you don't, we're going off the air tomorrow. I'm so happy that there's no pressure on God's people. The pressure's on the word of God to perform. But I thank God that there's never has to be any pressure on you, that it's a debt-free ministry, that it's a blessed ministry, that we continue. Do you know, we did more during the quarantine with no meetings than we, in, in other months past, that we did while traveling and in meetings. We gave tens of thousands of dollars away. We continued to bless children overseas. I'm so happy. I'm so happy that faith keeps you on the top of the barrel. I love you, Pastor Bill Motley. I thank God for guys like Pastor Bill Motley who have taught faith and been faithful to teach faith, never veered off course, never left the message when it wasn't popular or when other people were doing things that were fads in the body of Christ, but faithful men and women like he and his wife that have continued to just preach what the Bible says and watch it work. And that's what I endeavor to do with you as well. Stay faithful to the message of faith and continue to preach it and see people changed by it. But I'm so thankful that there's no pressure. <laughs> I'm so thankful I don't have to come up with a gimmick every month. Now, now this month, I want to tell everybody this month, we've got vials of water from Jerusalem that we are going to be blessing and praying over. And for everybody that sows a seed this month, we'll be mailing you a vial of water from the wells of Jerusalem. We've got a contact there in the Holy Land who's been able to ship. It's like, good Lord, ship us vials of, and you know that, you know, they just went into like their ministry office bathrooms and got it out of the toilet. It's toilet water. <laughs> wow. I never knew that the waters of Jerusalem were so brown. <laughs> I'm so happy. So happy that I don't have to come up with some kind of a, some kind of a thing every month. Now let me say, we've got something here in the office that's been just dripping oil all month long, and we're scooping oil off of this thing that's dripping. I'm so so thankful. Yes, Dave, we'll always continue to do this after the meetings are starting again. We're always live Monday through Friday, 10.30 a.m. And we'll continue to be live 10.30 a.m. Monday through Friday. But it's a blessing to me to not have to be crooked. <laughs> to not have to come up with some gimmick. Ugh, that turns my stomach. Turns my stomach. And I'm so thankful that the word of God works without gimmicks. And faithful people are faithful people. And I thank you for your giving and your sowing. So let me encourage you. Take a minute today and do what the Holy Spirit's telling you to do. Go to MiracleWord.com. Partner today. Stand with us today. Watch what God will do in your life. And he will bless you. Let me show you some things that we've got for you if you haven't seen them yet. Look at these shirts. Look at these shirts. Awesome shirts for the kids, if you haven't seen them yet. New Miracle Word Kids shirts for the summer. And they're all available right now at shop.miracleword.com. 
They look great. They look absolutely great. You know what I like is that the, the, the miracle word kids that you see on the back, that's actually my daughter, Maddie's handwriting that we were able to put onto the shirt. See the one there in the middle that my son's wearing. That's actually my son on his own shirt. The world changer shirt and get them for your kids. Also, not just the shirts, but we've got the tumblers available as well. Thank you, Norman. You're so kind. So very kind. Brand new for the kids. And also limited edition, the nonstop mom mugs. Listen, these are almost gone. And when they're gone, we're not doing them again. They're limited edition. They're available at shop.miracleword.com. Grab yours for yourself, your mother, your daughter, whoever. Grab it. They'll love it. Did I tell you this? The brand new Miracle Word Kids Mission is available on the website now for June. We're going through great faith with your children. It's a topical Bible study for the kids. Great faith. There's printable PDFs for you and your family for free. Go to MiracleWordKids.com and download yours today and join us during the month of June as we take your kids through. And then check it out. The brand new magazine is getting ready to ship to your house. If you're not signed up to receive it, jump on MiracleWord.com and sign up today to be a part of the family. And we'll send you these absolutely free every single time that they are released. And uh, it'll be a massive blessing to you. Um, Let me show you this. We're shipping these out to everybody that sowed last, last month. My friend, Pastor Alan Meshagan, wrote this powerful book. For the month of May, it's our gift to you. So it's already being shipped to people uh, that have uh, partnered with us for the month of May. We'll have another gift for you this month as well. The new book is available. Thank you, Jesus. It's done and out. And of course, the ebook is available as well. All kinds of stuff. All kinds of stuff available for you guys. Go browse it at shop.miracleword.com. It'll be a massive blessing to you. We try to continually put tons of stuff out. The next thing I want to do, as I told you, is uh, is those uh, Victory Tribe shirts, hats, whatever we can do. I want to do that, and uh, I know I know it'll look cool. So I've already had Carissa sent me an idea yesterday, and so we've got ideas. We're putting things together, but it's going to be cool. We always want you guys to have good stuff on top of what we give you to build your faith. We want to give you stuff so that you have a a talking point. That's a really cool shirt. Where'd you get that? Open door. It's that easy. So I'm glad. I'm glad it's all getting out. We've got stuff for the moms, nonstop moms, kids. I got to get on it for the dads now. What were we talking about? Not nonstop pop. There was something else that we came up with that was really good. We got to put it together. It's going to be good. Anyway, I love you. I'll be back tonight, 9 o'clock p.m. Don't miss it. We're jumping together again. Victory Tribe live at 9. I love you. Have a great day. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.